If you think about January 2020, so let's not go back years, right? January 2020, if you would have stood up and said, hey, everybody, all these large companies, mid-sized companies, small companies are going to figure out a way of working remotely, be proficient in using their video conferencing, figure out how to digitally connect to their clients, start doing their processes, and finally drive the adoption of clouds and new software architectures. Very few people would have believed you. Welcome to We Talk IoT a regular series of podcasts from the editors of Smart Industry, the IoT business magazine. This podcast is brought to you by Avnet Silica in cooperation with Microsoft. Hi, I'm Tim Cole, the editor-in-chief of Smart Industry, the IoT business magazine. The hype surrounding 5G has been building for years and business leaders are making bolder and bolder claims about what they will do with 5G capabilities. Some experts say that 5G will replace broadband within three to five years, promising a smarter, more connected world with better mobile service, safer streets, and enhanced entertainment. Not to mention huge profits for the carriers, of course. One of them is joining us here today to talk about the benefits of 5G and what's taking it so long. Adel Al-Saleh, CEO of the German global IT services and consulting company T-Systems and a member of the board of its parent company, Deutsche Telekom. Mr. Al-Saleh, can 5G really help end the corona crisis, as you recently stated in an interview? Well, first of all, Tim, thank you for uh, this very interesting conversation. And, and of course, 5G is a, is a really important topic as we go forward. Now, I never claimed that 5G will cure corona, right? That, that's a little bit of a stretch. But what I did talk about was how companies are accelerating into digitization because of the corona crisis and that 5G could be a real strong enabler. And as you've seen, I'm sure, and we're doing this podcast, of course, remotely, is interesting to see how we've adapted that a lot of companies have to go through this. And we think about the journey in this pandemic that was really a, um, a difficult pandemic for the human, human society, but the companies go through three phases. One is really focusing on how do I secure my current operations? How do I make sure that my employees are safe, my services are delivered, how do I do the basics right? And the second phase is about adjusting to this reality, right? Because unfortunately, this pandemic is with us for a long period of time. It's not disappearing that some predicted over the summer or towards the end of the year. And therefore, you have to adjust. And adjusting means you have to figure out how do I restart my company? How do I get my revenues flowing? How do I get um, the services back up and running? How do I recover my revenue back to when it was before Corona crisis? And then the last phase is the acceleration of the transformation of the companies into the new digital age. I will call it Accelerate Digital Now. And that's where 5G helps, right? Because of its bandwidth, because of its latency because of its ease of deployment within the enterprise, 
it gives you an opportunity to do things much faster than what you would have done before with wired networks or with Wi-Fi technologies. But that is still evolving, right, which is how I positioned it in the past. It really is astonishing, isn't it? You know, I, people like me, I, I write books. I have been doing that for 25 years. Um, I remember my very first book, I said, the Internet is going to uh, overcome distance and we no longer have to go to the office. We can stay at home and we can, we can do teleconferencing and so And nothing happened. And it took 25 years and then Corona came along and all of a sudden, overnight. Yes. Yes, I mean, things happen in phases, right? I mean, the speeds, well, first of all, the speed of innovation has always been incredible, right? Um, whether it's the core technologies that we use, whether it's computing powers, whether it is um, software development and how it evolved, whether it's networks, it is on an amazing pace. And sometimes you feel like it's slow, but then when you reflect back, like you're reflecting right now, I mean, if, if you think about January 2020, so Let's not go back years, right? January 2020, if you would have stood up and said, hey, everybody, all these large companies, mid-sized companies, and small companies are going to figure out a way of working remotely, be proficient in using their video conferencing, figure out how to digitally connect to their clients, start doing their processes, and finally drive the adoption of clouds and new software architectures, very few people would have believed you. But fast forward to the end of 2020, and we're seeing things that happen that typically would take years, sometimes decades, happening in months. So it depends on the environment and the situation that drives the human evolution. And that's exactly what happened to us in 2020. If we do manage to get a grip on the COVID crisis, do you think we will return to the status um, we had? Or is this the new normal? Tim, absolutely no going back. I mean, I, I, I'm a really hard believer in that. And I speak to a lot of customers on a weekly basis, right? They are, uh, on one hand, of course, uh, very concerned about the crisis lingering for a long period of time. Many of my customers um, lost significant revenue streams because of the changing dynamics. But none of them are saying, I'm going to go back. None of them are saying, well, I'm going to take away the digital interactions. None of them are saying, I'm going to reverse back to being in the office or using the old processes. All of them, unequivocally, some faster than others for sure, are pushing forward. They're all going forward and taking the companies to the next level and digitizing their processes uh, rethinking how they interact with clients, rethinking their supply chains, but not looking backwards. I don't believe we'll go back. This is the new normal. 5G could be a real game changer, couldn't it? But sadly, rollout of 5G has been slower than many expected, and manufacturers especially still are hesitant to take the plunge. After all, 4G does a good enough job, doesn't it, for most of them? 4G for sure has done a really good job. LTE technology has given us quite a few advantages when you think about mobile connectivity. Look, I don't think we are slow in rolling out 5G. And, and, and I'm going to talk about Germany rather than talk about global, because I could also talk about what happened in the United States or what's happening in Asia, whether it's China or South Korea or others, where the adoption of 5G is certainly at a much higher speed. In the United States, our T-Mobile USA is 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 
pushing forward very hard and turning up 5G connections um, every day. But in Germany, if you think about Germany, our ambitions, right, um, has been to get to 5G as quick as possible. Right now, we have already made 5G available to 40 million people in many areas of Germany, including industrial areas, right, which is very important for us to enable them. By end of 2020, by the end of this year, so this is in a few months, our goal is to cover 99% of German population with 50 megabits per second transfer rates. And by the end of 2022, we will double the bandwidth to 100 megabits per second. And by 2025, which is not that far away, right? I mean, if you think about where we are, we will cover 99% of population and 90% of the country with 5G. So that is our push towards 5G. And today, if I look at our pipeline, if I now think about the enterprise space, right? So 5G industrial campuses, certainly they slowed down during the crisis. Certainly between April and July, a lot of the customers were in the first phase, which is securing your business. Many, if not all of the large DAX companies are experimenting with 5G campuses. Many of them already have 4G campuses and we're turning up 5G for them in order to experiment. And the limiting factor though, Tim, the limiting factor right now of 5G is the use cases, right? So the automated guided vehicles is a given, right? We've done that with Osram. We're looking at many manufacturers looking at it. But if you really want to think broad, you got to start thinking about um, robots being connected. You got to be thinking about, you know, configurable factories that lose the cables that are required machinery and instead machinery is able to connect via 5G. That is still to come, right? I believe the real boost in 5G usage and the use cases is going to start evol emerging when you have these more and more devices that are able to connect 5G, whether it's robots, whether it's manufacturing, or welding machines, et cetera, et cetera, which will be happening, I believe, towards the end of 21, beginning of 22, that is when the you know, accelerated uses of 5G will start happening in the industrial complexes. Will the controversy between the US and China over the role of Huawei, a major supplier of 5G components, slow your optimistic prognosis down a bit? Well, look, it's, it's, uh, whenever you eliminate a large supplier to the industry that provides 5G technology, it, it is a risk of slowdown. No question. I mean, otherwise, we, you know, why, why, you know it, it would be unrealistic to think that that wouldn't happen. However, we have many partners that we're working collectively together to ensure we don't slow down. And we are confident uh, from Deutsche Telekom point of view that we will achieve the numbers that I talked to you about. Uh, it's not making it easier when one of the big suppliers is not available anymore, but it's still achievable. The goals that we talk about are still very much in sight because there are other partners in the industry that we're working with that provide us technology. As a rule, the people who create technology aren't always the best at understanding and solving the problems of business. As the new boss of T-Systems, how do you hope to change that? 
Well, you know, we have a unique setup in Deutsche Telekom, right? So first of all, our core offering, of course, is the network. Therefore, a lot of our engineers in Deutsche Telekom are focused on how do I build these networks? How do I make them reliable? How do I make them secure? How do I deploy them across Germany? The advantage we have in Deutsche Telekom is we have T-Systems. And T-Systems is an IT service provider, right? We work with applications. We work in deploying solutions. So we're not as much enamored of network technology. We are enamored with use cases. So deploying new ways of working, deploying new applications that can leverage this massive latency and incredible bandwidth that 5G technology brings to the table. So we feel we have an advantage versus the rest because we think from technology, making it available, making it secure to the applications that we would drive with our customers. You've made your new home in Germany, a country that almost defines itself by its automotive industry. And that is under very heavy stress at the moment. Will autonomous cars, which rely heavily on 5G, be the silver bullet car makers are hoping for to return their business to its former glory? So first of all, the automotive industry is is a massive customer set for us in T-Systems. And this is why partially we have been feeling the impact of Corona more than the rest of DT because we serve most of the OEMs in Germany, if not all, and their suppliers. And of course, they were impacted by the Corona crisis. So this is a really important industry for us. That industry is going through a massive transformation, right? And it's not just autonomous driving. It's the whole case scenario, which is connected, autonomous, shared, electric, right? That's what they're working for and in and, and driving the transformation of, of such a um, established and mature industry to something totally new. I mean, you, you think about Daimler and VW and BMW, they're all transforming their engineering capabilities from traditional automotive engineering to software development, right? So we're working with them on some exciting projects um, in driving software. We just won a a huge project with one of the French automotive uh, manufacturers in the marketplace where we're working with them on cloudifying the back end of their connected cars, right? So they can drive more services. They can drive more uh, content into the cars. So that industry is going through a major transformation. And I believe that over the next five years, you will see a massive change in how the cars are made and what kind of cars are uh, driven into the marketplace. And I believe 5G, although it's not a required entity for autonomous driving, and a lot of people misunderstand that, the car, autonomous driving car, must be fully sufficient by itself, like a flying plane that is, is, is an autopilot is fully sufficient from a safety point of view to be able to navigate. However, um, 5G gives you this incredible connectivity that allows you to do many other things like over-the-air updates into the car, like driving content into the car, like precise positioning of the car and where it goes to enable you better navigation and better and other services. Or it can give you some creative consumer applications that were not possible in the past because 5G wasn't there. So it is a massive enabler for the automotive industry to help them drive that transformation that I talked about. 
5G as the big game changer. We were talking with Adel Al-Saleh, the CEO of T-Systems and a member of the board of its parent company, Deutsche Telekom. Adel, thank you very much for joining us here on our podcast and see you soon. Very good. Thank you. We Talk IoT, the smart industry podcast, is sponsored by Microsoft. Microsoft Azure IoT Hub, highly secure and reliable communication between your IoT application and the devices it manages. Azure IoT Hub provides a cloud-hosted solution backend to virtually connect any device. Extend your solution from the cloud to the edge with per-device authentication, built-in device management, and scaled provisioning. If you need an industrial IoT solution based on Microsoft IoT Hub, then Avnet IoT Connect is your perfect choice. A standardized way to harness IoT so your business can quickly build smart apps and solutions based on the Azure platform. EDI, the Federal Association of German Industry, is the voice of industry in Germany. And the voice of BDI is Professor Dieter Kempf. He is joining us today to talk about the future of IoT in Germany and the rest of the world. Um, Professor Kempf, Germans talk a lot about Industry 4.0, whereas we Anglo-Saxons usually prefer something like industrial IoT. And we believe we're still stuck in the third industrial revolution, whereas Germans seem to count differently. Is that true? <laughs> it's really an interesting question. I mean, you could, you could even say the Japanese seem to count even more differently because they are on society 5.0. Uh, but I, I think originally, uh, when the concept was um, shown the first time at a fair in Hanover, uh, the idea was just to to count the different industrial revolutions. I myself, in fact, prefer the term industrial internet or industrial internet of things because it describes much better than 4.0, what is meant with that concept. So uh, I can not only live with industrial IoT, uh, I, I'd prefer it as an expression. Let's talk about uh, how far along Germany is in this new industrial revolution, whether it's the third, fourth, or fifth. A recent study commissioned by Deutsche Telekom concluded that many German SMEs are going about IoT transformation, quote, with the handbrake on, end quote. The main reason seems to be security and privacy concerns, but above all, their own employees, they think, lack motivation, necessary skills, and know-how. Is that true? I would, according to my personal experience, which is not just experience at big corporates, but also at the typical German Mittelstand SMEs, and I would agree with the result. I would probably not agree uh, by naming the reasons. Um, yes, it's right that there is some reluctancy because of data security or uh, data protection issues. But I think that's at least my experience when I talk to managers of SMEs. 
they are normally not so much coming from the IT side. The, the typical German SME leader uh, is uh, coming from the technical side, from the mechanics, from the electoral uh, industry part. So in the past, he tended to put away or shuffle away all the IT issues uh, to a crazy IT guy uh, or a group of crazy IT guys uh, in his company. Uh, so he's, he or she is normally not so familiar uh, that IoT is not something which happens in a separate uh, room in their building or their office buildings, but IoT is an integral part of industrial production. So it must merge or mingle uh, with the industrial engineers on the floor. And to convince them that the first step to do so is that he or she, as being the CEO or the top manager of the SME, must admit that concept and must show enthusiasm for that concept. That's, I think, one of the biggest reasons for the handbrake. As I said, I agree with the result um, of the, or with the conclusion, uh, but I, I, I see this reluctancy very often in, in the person of the CEO of an SME. He or she have to be convinced that these new concepts are bringing uh, their company, their products, their uh, customer value uh, to a better and higher level. Does typical German angst play a role? <laughs> uh, yeah, when it, when it comes to the, the issue of the security of my data, so whenever it comes to the point uh, where you try to convince someone that sharing data and sharing his data, the data of that corporation, might bring that company to a higher level of usability of that data. That is, that is a crucial point. So at that point, uh, you're really right. There, there is a certain portion of German angst. Um, but my opinion, my experience is when they give you a chance to explain it, it's easy to overcome that uh, angst. And uh, the proof for me is that we have quite an um, interesting portion of um, industrial data platforms in Germany, uh, which are mainly used uh, by small and medium-sized businesses. Yes, these data platforms today work more or less uh, in a vertical manner, and, and they have to work in future also in a horizontal manner. But that's, that's a good starting point. So there, are, there is light and shade. One participant in the study is quoted as complaining that, quote, manpower is hard to get. He's not alone. Do you have a solution? That's one of the biggest difficulties, because in, in Germany, we have a huge reluctancy of young persons, uh, male and female, uh, to enter the field of uh, what we call Naturwissenschaften, which is physics, also informatics. If, if someone wants to study informatics, as we call it in, in Germany, informatic, they, they more or less uh, see themselves as uh, the biggest web page designer in the world. They do not see them so much as the biggest engineer in data protection or data security, and they do not see them 
as the biggest engineers in data usability. Uh, so this, this field of engineering data, or when it comes to artificial intelligence, uh, the most of them seem uh, to tend to robotics, but artificial intelligence is much more than robotics. It's pattern recognition and all that stuff. Uh, that, that is not so interesting. So I, I would really underline, yes, uh, we have a significant lack uh, of persons, especially for the field of uh, how to use data, um, how to model data. Um, uh, so here, here we have really a lack of persons. Of course, data is actually an asset or it would be if firms saw it that way. That's right. But uh, look at the German, uh, it's a typical German Mittelstand. They, a high portion of them grew um, by protecting their intellectual property. They were what we call Tüftler. I, I don't really know the uh, English uh, expression for that. And they are genius in, in a specific area of their company, of their products, um, of their services. And very often they secured that uh, by intellectual property rights, by some kind of patent. So the, the natural uh, behavior was trying to protect what I know and not sharing at least parts of it because that might include the danger that someone gets my know-how uh, and uh, does the same thing or even improves or whatever. So that's a cultural issue we have to overcome. And not everyone is really convinced that sharing data um, brings his own company to a higher level of productivity to a higher level of customer centricity or whatever you might see as advantages of sharing data. So it's an unconvincing process you have to do. Uh, according to the German Statistic Agency, Germany ranks only fifth in the number of IoT patent applications. With 4,195 last year, that's compared to China's 41,000, the US 37,000, even Australia, not exactly known as an innovation powerhouse, sorry Aussies, uh, has more, namely 4,321. Is Germany falling behind in IoT? Yeah, we are losing contact to the best of breed. That's something which, as a result, is fully in line what uh, we in our, service, in, in our service see. And uh, we claim that since about three years, um, so we are not losing ground, that, that is too much, but we are falling behind. The KFW Startup Monitor claims that German founding activities remain, quote, low level. Does that worry you? Yeah, that is also the reason why I'm personally engaged in the startup incubator here in my uh, hometown, Nuremberg because I'm a strong believer that uh, this is very, very necessary to support persons, normally we would say young persons, but not all founders of businesses must be young persons uh, to support them. Uh, but um, going into risk and, and, and 
to found a, a, a new company, to bring an idea into a project, into a company, that's always a big portion of risk. So this kind of risk-taking is not a typical German behavior. Um, when I talk to my students, uh, I'm sometimes surprised that uh, more than 50% uh, see themselves later on in public services. So we have to intensely promote this entrepreneurship. And besides, it's not all bad news. In 2018, more than 216,000 women founded companies in Germany. That's a plus of 4%. A glimmer of hope, perhaps? Yeah. It, it brings some hope. Uh, but given the very, very small basis, we all know that 4% increase on a small basis is not really a, a kind of a breakthrough. So um, that is something we have to start um, at uh, school, at, at what we call gymnasium in, in our high schools, uh, what we have to intensely teach uh, at the universities. Uh, it's still not normal that our universities, you can study entrepreneurship or, or listen to entrepreneurship um, educational parts. So we have to promote that and we have especially uh, to encourage women uh, to do it. Again, my personal experience with my students, um, the bigger portion of women tends uh, to see herself uh, in the positions in public administration, which is fine, but is a contrary to going into risk as an entrepreneur. Professor Kempf, thank you for sharing your insights with us. That was Professor Dieter Kempf, the president of the Federal Association of German Industry, on the state of the IoT revolution in his home nation. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Bye-bye. And now, one more thing. Officials in Washington State announced that they have removed the first murder hornet nest in the United States with the help of RFID technology. The nest was found and removed in Blaine, Washington, near the Canadian border. The search had taken on particular urgency as the Asian giant hornets were about to enter their slaughter phase, during which they kill honeybees by decapitating them. They're the world's largest hornets, and finding them on the U.S. continent was alarming since they've been a scourge in their native regions of Asia and the Russian Far East for decades. According to Sven Erik Spikiger, the managing entomologist at the Washington State Department of Agriculture, RFID technology and AI played leading roles in tracking and eradicating the first giant hornets. The colony was located in a region of forests and farmland after officials attached radio trackers to three trapped hornets with the help of some glue and lengths of dental floss. One of those led them to the nest, which was about eight feet up in the tree. Workers wearing thick white suits with rubber gloves and boots, as well as face shields, filled the tree hollow with foam and then wrapped the nest in plastic before using an industrial vacuum cleaner to extract hundreds of mature hornets. Among them, they found 200 queen hornets, who each could have gone on to found their own colony. At least for now, it seems, the spread of the dreaded invasive species has been halted. That was We Talk IoT, 
the Smart Industry Podcast. You can read all the latest from Smart Industry, the IoT business magazine, by visiting our website at www.smart-industry.net, where you'll find hundreds of feature articles about everything from smart manufacturing and cognitive computing to autonomous driving and how IoT and AI are making business smarter. There, you can sign up to receive our newsletter, Smart Industry Updates. I'm Tim Cole. See you back next month when, once again, we talk IoT.